are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bible, please, to Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20. If you'll permit me, I'm going to repeat an outline which I gave the other night to a, a group of mission people, mission-minded folks down in, in Georgia. And I uh, felt led of the Lord to light give this tonight in this uh, in the service here. And I want you to pray that God will bless it to the hearts of all the people. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to hold that verse before you. And think of it. I am crucified with Christ. Huh? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just one life will soon be, be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Just one life. Many lives are wasted. They're wasted lives. They get away from God. They get away from the service of God. I had a good friend of mine years ago, a great and talented man, and he could preach, he could sing, he could do about anything, and was greatly blessed of God. But he got away from God. He preached a while, then quit. Gave it up altogether. And yet he said he was called to preach. And went on. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying that we need to be our best for Christ and to know that we have this one life, just one life will soon be passed, just one, and going to preach Christ and crucified, living again, ready to save all who repent, believe, and come to him. And we can rejoice in that. And I'll rejoice in all that God has done uh, for us. Now, uh, think if you will. Lives are wasted. Many lives are wasted. Young men, young women, mothers and dads are thrown away. Some are wasted by thoughtlessness. Some never consider the sacredness of life. And life is sacred. This life is wholly given, given to us by the Lord. All we have is from the Lord. And we've got to see it. And we must give thought the meaning of life and God's purpose for your life and mine. Then some are wasted by the lack of a goal. They have no goal for their lives. No aim for life. And young men, young women here in school have a goal for your life. Keep right that before you and go toward that all the time. Never vary, never change, but glorify the Lord by that goal. Again, some lives are wasted by self-righteousness, glorifying self, never rising uh, above themselves, never seeing their mistakes and their weaknesses, and uh, extremely critical of other people. And some lives are wasted by sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And some lives are wasted by pride, glorifying self. And some are wasted by blindness, blind to the work of Satan, and the blind to the offers of God. And some are wasted by selfishness, selfishness. Oh, what an awful thing. But some lives are blasted and wasted by the matter of selfishness in their hearts. And they remain that way for a lifetime on and on. Back in Louisville, Kentucky, where I lived as a boy, we had kin folks who lived down the street from us. We were poverty-stricken people. And my aunt and uncle lived about four or five doors from us. They had a little three-room house, a little shotgun three-room house, the cheapest thing you could find. And they lived in. And I'd go to see them often sometime. They'd invite me up to have a meal in the, in the home. And I did. And uh, then they decided to leave uh, Louisville and go to Indiana and live there. 
And I went up and helped them load the truck. Got an old second-hand truck, and uh, they rented the thing, and uh, I carried the furniture. Didn't have very much. Didn't have much at all in that little three-room house. I helped them put it in the in the, in the car. And when they got through, uh, Uncle Walter said, uh, come with me, and I went with him around the little shotgun house, around to the cellar. You know how the cellar would go down the, uh, from the back back part of the house and went down the cellar. And when they got there, he picked up a, tr- uh, a shovel and began digging in the ground. In a few moments, he threw the shovel aside and reached inside and pulled out a great big tin container. And uh, he put it out and put it on the ground and took the lid off. He said, look, I looked inside, a can completely filled with dollar bills, $10 bills, $50 bills, everything you can imagine, just money, money stacked up there. And he looked at it gloatingly and he said, that's all mine. I've been saving it. I've been saving every penny I can get. I'm holding on to my money. I'm keeping hold of it all the time. And just money, money, a, a, a big a big can full about the stuff. And, and re- in his hand, he put the lid on the can and, and uh, told me goodbye, went out and got in the truck. And drove, they drove off to Tazewell, Indiana. That's over about 50 miles from, from, New, from New Albany. And uh, uh, he, they got a little house and lived there. And he had that money all in that container. And uh, uh, he was careful about every penny he would spend to save everything he had and hold on to it. And then came the day of the funeral and uh, of his wife. She had passed away. But, uh, and we went to the funeral. And he cried and cried. But I thought that little wife all over here, uh, neglected and never having enough for herself. Not enough, uh, not enough uh, clothing of decent kind at all. But a wreck, a life wrecked by selfishness. Then again, some lives are wasted by weakness. Too weak uh, to stand for the, the faith and to be steadfast. And they're weakened by their weight, by weakness. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Let his love give you strength and fight the good fight of faith and on and on. Now, what does it take to have a successful Christian life, a full life, a joyous life? Paul had it. In spite of persecution, loneliness, heartaches, opposition of men, he had it. And he loved the Lord. Now, what does it take for you and me in this present day? Number one, it takes salvation. We must know we're born again. Amen. And that's the essential thing. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Second Timothy one twelve. Salvation, a born again life. Salvation, a new life. A salvation, no so life. And we must have that. Salvation means a confession of your sins. You're a sinner, lost, condemned, held down. The soul that sinned of it shall die. The way of sin is death. And salvation means an acceptance of Christ. Christ died for our sins. He that leads on the Son hath everlasting life. And salvation means a knowledge of your place in the family of God. I know whom I have believed. And that's not uh, boasting. That's an acceptance of God's work in my behalf and your behalf. And you're somebody. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king with Jesus, my savior. I'm a child of the king. Now that's missing uh, with many professed Christians. They don't have that. They miss it altogether. And they never perhaps have been born again, know nothing of the savior. And I think now Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Catholics and all of them without the son of God lost and condemned and on their way to hell. Now, a successful Christian life begins with salvation. That's number one. And never get away from the glory and the joy and the blessing of being saved. Amen. Never get you never get used to it. You're a child of God. You're somebody through your simple faith in Christ. Amen. And you remember that. But the tragedy of the lost world 
And that's where the missionaries go out. To give life to people, to give them hope and joy beyond this day. And look at him. But what an awful day when millions of religious people will find that they're lost and condemned in hell. And so my first thought is the matter of a successful life, it takes salvation. But secondly, a successful life takes direction. In Acts chapter 9, we read of Paul's conversion. It is called his fullness of the Holy Spirit. His baptism is preaching. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Acts 9 20. Paul accepted God's direction for his life. Is God directing you? Is he showing you what to do with your life, the one life you've got? God has a purpose for your life. He has a will for your life. And you're to know his will. He has the direction for your life, the call of God. And maybe there some are failing to, to get through to this and you're missing it now. And you need God's direction. And God will direct you. Maybe you're looking the wrong way. Maybe you're trusting the wrong things and trusting the wrong, wrong people, wrong advice. But you come back to the Lord, let God direct you. He'll show you. And he wants to give you a blessing as he guides you in the right direction. If you're wandering aimlessly, it's your fault. He will direct you. Submit yourself to God. Pray earnestly to him and you'll get things right. Now, what confusion in this day? People are confused everywhere, all over the nation, everywhere you go. They're not quite sure what to do, not quite sure what they what they should be doing in their lives. They have no direction for life, and they're failing. They're failing. That's tragic. Yes. I just came out of Texas on yesterday where I preached and go by Hope, Arkansas. Huh? Right. And when I go by Hope, Arkansas, I thought of Bill Clinton. Does he have direction for his life? Is he directed by God, directed by the Holy Spirit, directed by the Word of God? You see, many people are failing, and they're not being directed, and they're not accepting God's direction when given to them. Now, what should we do? We should read the Word of God and let God speak to us, and God, by his Word, will give you God's. Then we should pray, humbly seek his face, and ask for God's direction for you. What should I do, dear Lord? I'll do whatever you say for me to do. Pray. Then we must obey his directions. Follow him step by step, day by day, moment by moment, walking with him all of the time. Now, I've touched on two things very quickly. Salvation, the great importance of that, and the great need of knowing that you're born again. And without salvation, you have a wasted life. You need Jesus as your own personal Savior. Secondly, I talked about direction. God will direct us. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And as for God's direction in your life, and he will give it to you every time. Number three, I put down the word compassion. What is needed in this in this world? To save your life of being a wasted life. Certainly you need the salvation we've we touched it. And direction, direction by the Holy Spirit. And we need to have compassion. Look at our Savior and his compassion. See his compassion over men and women. The compassion led him to, to stoop down to, to the lowest and to point them to salvation through faith in him. Amen. But so few have compassion. The world, the flesh, and the devil will fight against you. Pride, worldly pride, fights against compassion. Without compassion, there will be uh, pride and selfishness and blindness to the needs of others. And without compassion, you're living a wasted life. Without compassion. Without compassion, you cannot be Christ-like. No matter how you try Unless there is that compassion. Now, the life of Paul illustrates all the things I've said. His salvation, the direction of his life, and his compassion. The successful life, the successful life, the life that counts is a life of compassion. A little Sunday school teacher pointed me to Christ. 
the name of Mrs. Daisy Halls, Louisville, Kentucky. I knew nothing of the Bible, nothing of Christ. My family never attended church. I walked in that class, and that little lady stood there with Bible in hand and told me about Christ. And by the direction of her life, pointing me to the Savior, led me to know Christ as Savior. I was born again. I came forward in the, in the church on Sunday morning and took my stand for Christ, 14 years of age. And I didn't know a thing about my mother and father had followed me to church that day, the only time they'd been there. They were in the back of the building. And when I came forward and uh, the pastor began dealing with me, they came down the aisle and said, we'd like to get saved too. And they were born again. We were received the same time and baptized at the same time. Now the successful life. This teacher gave me the message of Jesus Christ and I became a child of God. And the dear pastor, Jim Benford, who baptized me, a man who had all three things in his life, compassion, direction, and salvation, of course, had all of that. And great Christians must have the same thing. You need this day by day in your life and mine. Salvation and direction and compassion. Are you saved, born again? Secondly, do you have a direction for your life? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what God wants you to do with your life? You just got the one life. Don't waste it. And do the thing that God says he wants you to do. Then, do you have compassion for others that are concerned for people lost and dying around the world? Or are you concerned for men and women that they'll come to Christ and know him as a personal Savior? Now, some people never have it. Right. I had a friend of years ago, years ago, when I was Southern Baptist, by the name of Dr. George Truett. Many of you know his name, of course. The famous Baptist preacher. And I got to know him quite well. I was with him in meetings. And he never smiled. Because of it happening in early life, he never smiled in the pulpit, not at any time. And I've heard him preach with compassion and love, and people get saved by the great George Truett. But then, when he was an old, older man, as old as I am, or maybe a little older, maybe not quite, and when he was placed in the hospital for the last time, his illness was so severe, and one night a nurse came down the hallway and opened the door to his room, hospital room, and found Dr. Truett standing at the window, looking out over the city of Dallas, where he had preached more than 45 years, and pleading with souls to be saved. Standing there, and within a few minutes of his death, actually, and yet arms outstretched, and with that beautiful, heavy voice, the old George Truett calling out unto God, praying for the salvation of sinners. Compassion, compassion. Now that's your need and my need, compassion for every day of your life, and to look to God and have compassion. Have you got the words tonight? Yes. Salvation, do you know you're born again? Yes. If you have a doubt about your salvation, settle it tonight. Amen. Number two, direction. Do you know where you're going? Do you know what God wants you to do with your life? This God-given life. Are you walking with him? Are you going the way that God wants you to go? Number three, do you have compassion? Compassion for a world lost in sin. Compassion for sinners sinking down into hell. My dear friend, if we think about this very much, it'll move our hearts. I get, I get trouble sometimes. I think about these worldly, modernistic churches that preach nothing at all. I think of all the people are, who have no faith in Christ the Savior dying and going straight to hell. I think of all denominations where the message of Jesus Christ and the death on the cross is, is minimized. Denominations, our big denominations, far, far away, lost people going to hell. 
I think of all the multitudes all around us day by day in every place we're unsaved and know not the Savior dying and going to hell. Christ had compassion. Amen. And he gave the message, and we must have compassion, and we must give the message and tell people this is the way to be saved. This is what you need. You need Christ. I've been burdened by the tragic story of what happened here. Enough to break the heart of the toughest person. And I think of broken hearts of families of loved ones, all concerned, and your school, and your church, and all of it. In this sad world of ours. And my dear friend. We're near all of us. Nearer to the time of departure. And we're near. Nearer than we than we think. We may be young. But you're still maybe near. Accidents. And you just say I know Christ. I have salvation. I have direction for my life. I know where I'm going. I have compassion. We're we're lost in sin. I want to give my best to it. I want God to use me in every way that I can. Compassion. I'm preaching out in Houston, Texas, in a beautiful church. I stood on the platform to preach, and uh, I looked around the auditorium as I do in all my preaching, looking at the audience. I looked back and back. There stood a fellow back in the back. When he stood to sing, I looked at him, couldn't miss him. Big, big fellow with a big red cap on his head. Big red cap. And he was a big man. And uh, I watched him, and I thought, that's strange. That old boy sitting back there with a cap on his head. Now, ordinarily, I'd say, take your hat off. You're in church. But that fellow looked too big to me. <laughs> and I thought I better hold off. And I didn't say it. I went on a preaching sermon. I gave an invitation. And when they did, people came forward accepting Christ. I said, I'm going back to speak to the man. I walked back. There he stood. Big fellow like this. Big red cap on his head. I said, sir, are you saved? Ah, he said, I don't know a thing about it. I said, would you like to be saved? Ah, he said, I don't know anything about that either. Well, I said, are you afraid to come down the front with me? He said, no, I'm not afraid of anything or anybody. I said, come on. He couldn't get out of it. And the big man came down the aisle. Coming down the aisle, reached and took that red cap on his head and threw it on the bench. I said, kneel down the front. That big man knelt down. I put the Bible right before his eyes. I said, here's the word of God. Christ died for you on the cross. I read the message of salvation. I said, this is it. I said, I'm going to pray and ask God to save your soul. You put your faith in Christ now. And I prayed and put out my hand and said, sir, what about it? And the big man with a red cap on his head as he stood in the back began to cry. He said, preacher, I'll trust him right now. He grabbed my hand and stood his feet, big, the big fellow, bigger than I am. And he said, I'll trust him right now. And I said, praise God. I said, I'm happy. And he was crying. And he said, I know I'm saved. I'm a Christian now. I said, sir, sir, how'd you get here? He said, he brought me. He pulled back to the back where I found the man. That's the little fellow back there. Must have weighed about 130 pounds. Had a little black suit. He said, he brought me. I said, what do you mean he brought you? Well, he was standing there a block away on the drug, at the drugstore talking to a bunch of fellows. This fellow walked by him. He said, let's go to church. I said, I don't go to church. I don't like churches. And the little fellow said, come on, I won't hurt you. He said, no, I'm not going. I'm not going with you at all. And the little fellow said to me, he said, are you afraid to go? <laughs> he said, sir, I'm not afraid of anything or anybody. And he said, come on. He said, that's how I got in back there. That little fellow bought me. 
He said, praise God, I'm saved. Praise God, I'm saved. My dear friend, God wants to use us, but it takes compassion. Compassion is our need. Compassion for sinners lost and undone. On the way to hell. Needy, needy creatures. They're your parents, your loved ones, your children, your neighbors, your friends. Now, I beseech you tonight, don't live a wasted life. Don't live a wasted life. Number one, know you're saved and born again. I say, I know whom I believe. Number two, have God's direction for your life. What does God want you to do with your God-given life? Which way are you going? Are you going God's way? Number three, do you have compassion for a world lost in sin and going to hell? Or are you concerned about others? That's the call of God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.